if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of season two of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. We are here again uh, after an extended hiatus to discuss the weekend of 4th, 5th February in the Premier League and also the last three weeks or so in the world of football uh, in which uh, all sorts has happened. Excitement, intrigue, drama, broken records, clubs in crisis and Monday morning sackings. We've got it all to cover tonight. And uh, with me, as usual, is the Manchester United fan, Nick Gilmer. He's pretty happy. He's had some uh, plane sailing uh, in relative terms in recent weeks. And his club has reached uh, a cup final as well and has a tie with Barcelona to look forward to. So uh, uh, it's looking uh, okay, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, I think um, season exceeding expectations as it stands. So uh, all good on the United front. So we've missed a few weeks uh, with Nick off on his uh, alpine jollies, as he does most years at this time. Uh, And I was doing my best uh, Prince Harry impression, getting my extremities almost frostbitten on the Baltic coast. My name's uh, Alex Gross, the Spurs fan and your host. And uh, I'm pretty happy after my team beat another big rival for the first time in many months, for the first time this season, certainly. Getting another home win over Pep's Manchester City. And Harry Kane beating the club goal-scoring record held for so long by Jimmy Greaves. Very special day for our club. And with us uh, during the last few weeks, he's had a pilgrimage to Ellen Road from the Isle of Man. It's our uh, resident Leeds fan. It's the Doominator. It's (laughs) the Negatron, the relegate master. He's come to bury Leeds United, not to praise them. It's George Harker. Always bringing the uh, the mood down on the pod, yeah. Gilly yeah. is charged. Good evening. Good evening, George. And today, uh, Scott Parker, Thomas Tuchel, Bruno Large, Stephen Gerrard, Ralph Hausenhuttel, Frank Lampard, notably, uh, are all joined by Jesse Marsh, who've been uh, sacked this season. What a steam company that is, hey? Wow. <laughs> Have any of them got jobs yet since they've left? Yeah, I, I did think um, Marsh might last longer than um, mm. uh, Lampard, but it was only uh, only a matter of days. He's gone today, no great surprise. No, you just can't have the record he's had um, and stick around and keep peddling the same guff about it coming good soon. <laughs> when yeah. When's that going to happen? Um Perhaps the most damning phrase this weekend after losing to Nottingham Forest, he, he was quoted as saying, we find ways to lose. Yeah, with your tactics. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was pretty bad. It, it was the first post-match he sounded so defeated, actually, um, okay. which made everyone think, right, okay, this is probably it. But as we'll come on to, the timing's not great with the week we have coming up. But yeah, it had to happen sooner rather than later because we're over halfway through the season and... Uh, well, by this time next week, we could be 20th. We're only out of the bombs on goal difference. So it's, yeah, really bad shape. So it had to happen. Just above um, now Sean Dyche is Everton on goal difference. Is that right? Yeah, bring Frank back, please. <laughs> Everton are going to go one way, aren't they now? Yeah. Um, after that, everyone knew that was going to happen. It had to be Tarkovsky as well, didn't it? It had to be 
Well, a, a dyke. Still. Indeed, you bring me on to the headlines, George. Uh, for this weekend, it would have to be Everton beating the league leaders at Goodison, wouldn't it? I watched that uh, over in uh, Poland on our little jaunt uh, with friend of the show, Paul Caputo, who said at the start, before it had even kicked off, he just looked at Goodison, looked at the kickoff time, looked at the two teams and said, I've seen enough football in my life. This is a 1-0 home win. (laughs) (laughs) Fair play. And I said, I hope you're right. And he was. And he said, uh, if they can make it to an hour mark, they're going to win 1-0. And uh, Tarkovsky scored on 60 minutes. (laughs) So, yes, glorious uh, to see those scenes. An absolute, what would you say, um, Deutsch minted performance? Is that the phrase? With his uh, stamp all over it. Um, Dwight McNeil to Tarkovsky for the goal. Uh, ex-Burnley players, ex-Burnley manager, Burnley approach, Burnley passion. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pleased for uh, Everton. I, I always said, as it's been recorded on this show, I've got nothing against them. I just uh, didn't understand why they put so much faith into a man who clearly didn't deserve it, Frank Lampard. But yeah, pleased for them. And, and you know, I don't think anybody could have been unhappy with that result, could they, George? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and the start of it. Absolutely tragic weekend. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, same as you. I've got nothing against Everton. I didn't want them to go down last season. It's obviously you look after your own club first, but um, yeah, I don't think Everton have many enemies today in the footballing world. It's just Lampard that drew that <laughs> drew that dislike towards them. Now he's gone, and I think there'll be a lot of people's second teams. <laughs> yeah, certainly on this show, um, no ill feelings. Um, I mean, I'm excited to see Dice have. Well, you assume he's going to get a bit of money at some point yeah. if they can sort their finances out, and I think. Um, yeah, I think you might see that Dyche is a quite an impressive manager, actually, doing the sort of David Moyes impression 15 years later. You might see a lot of dead wood swept out there. I was yeah, there's this. a fair amount of it, isn't there? I was going to say either that or they've brought him in because they've said we've got no money and he doesn't mind. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe it's yeah you might be right. Yeah. He's got a stadium to pay for. So before we uh, uh, go too deep, before we forget, let me play our little uh, moment of the weekend jingle and... Uh, you can absolutely guess what I'm going to lead that feature with. That's right. It's uh, moment of the weekend time once again. Uh, our feature where we pick a moment, not from the team that we support, that was our favourite of the weekend. And um, apropos our chat just now, mine has to be Tarkovsky's goal against Arsenal. Arsenal's first defeat in a while. Uh, I'm hoping it means wheels off at the Emirates. Um, It may well not mean that. Uh, They play Brentford next and uh, Brentford are flying, so it could be an interesting game. But you can certainly understand Arsenal losing a game like this with um, what we all agree is new manager bounce at Everton. My favourite stat of the weekend was that um, Everton are unbeaten in 15 home games under a new manager. So the last time, the last 15 times they've had new manager bounce, it's worked for them. I'm sure George will uh, disabuse us of the notion that it works for every side, though, shortly. Um, Nick, what was yours? Mine's the obvious one. I've taken the open goal of Harry Kane because I just think he's brilliant. And I Lovely. It was really nicely marked as well with um, modest, modest celebration on the pitch. It's a big achievement to become the top goal scorer for, you know, when that's stood for so many years. Yeah. And I just think if you're writing a comic book, 
about War of the Rovers, you would just follow the Harry Kane story. I think he's brilliant. And we're lucky to have him in England and we will miss him when he's gone because behind him there is a dearth of decent strikers. And if you look yeah. around world football, actually, he stayed with Spurs. The least likable thing about Harry Kane's his brother, actually. Um, <laughs> yes. And, um, and there aren't many out there. There's Lewandowski, there's Kane, and now Haaland. And beyond that, the old-fashioned strikers just don't seem to exist anymore. Yeah, and as I've pointed out before, he's brilliant at that, but he's brilliant at a few other things as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His link-up play is, is you can see it's tangibly better than it was when he burst onto the scene. And yeah, he, I just think he's brilliant and he's an excellent example as well to kids coming through. Yeah, and I agree. It was a fabulous way to break the record. It was uh, one of those moments where the ball falls to him in a dangerous position against a top team where your team just has to take that chance. And there isn't anyone else you'd rather uh, take it, um, you know, notwithstanding his recent uh, penalty failure for England, which is high profile enough. But broadly, over the last eight years or so, he's always put away the big chances and he's always been dependable. Yeah. And I think that's what I uh, value him for the most. I'll have more to say on him when I discuss our win over Manchester City. Uh, George, your moment of the weekend? Yeah, I came up with this idea, didn't I? And I every week becomes increasingly harder for me to find anything to be positive about. But I'll take if Nick's was an open goal, mine's a bit of a tap in, and that's Liverpool's latest right. um, plunging <laughs> oh, of new guests. Apologies, apologies to any Liverpool listeners, but I don't take any joy in it like I'm sure Nick does. But yeah, it, I think it, it, any it, other week that would have been Nick's choice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Although another result that went against my beloved club, but particularly funny just because it, obviously it was 3 0 and up till before kickoff, Wolves only, only scored 12 goals all season. Yeah. <laughs> and then scored three against Liverpool. And all three goals were just, if, mm. even if my shoddy team could see to them, I'd be disappointed. They were all comical defending, particularly from Matip, who like he's playing with a pair of flippers on. Um, so yeah, I'll take, I'll take that one because there's not much else to choose from. Klopp looks tired, yes. Yeah, yeah mm. I think he looks like he's a bit done with it all at the moment. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that he's going to go in the summer, but um, he, I mean, I think he, he looks like he's lost weight. He looks he looks exhausted and yeah. you sort of can't blame him. I think he operates at quite a high level of intensity, doesn't he? It would take him walking away, though, wouldn't it? I don't think oh, they'd ever sack 100%. him. So that, yeah. did he leave Dortmund on his own terms? He did, didn't he? I don't think at, he was sacked. Yeah, at the end of a very ordinary season. Yeah, mm, yeah so it could be the yeah. same. Um, Nick, I saw a tweet that you'd like uh, in reference to this game um, that said, oh, I see uh, Liverpool are not playing Brighton this weekend, so they must be playing Wolves. Yes, I saw that tweet. I know you've got similar feelings about yeah, uh, yeah. Man United and Wolves. If it, if it was a cup weekend, then it, they, they they couldn't possibly be playing Wolves because they'd be playing United. <laughs> yes, so uh, let's uh, to wrap up part one, let's briefly talk about the cup because in our hiatus, we've missed uh, an interesting fourth round of which the replays are being played this midweek just after we record. Lots more Premier League casualties in the cup. Leeds went to Accrington Stanley where I know you thought uh, a new graveyard for Leeds was going to open up, but um, you negotiated you thought, that okay. You thought it was. <laughs> you have your words, not mine. Um, yeah, but with, with your encouragement in your uh, okay. in your okay. recent doomsaying spell. And you yeah. did go 1-0 down, didn't you? No. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly, we didn't. Just the way I remember it. 
And what brought me on to this, Nick, was uh, the fact that Man United got a home draw, which you always get, and you got Ryan mm-hmm. Redding, which you always get. Only notable because Andy Carroll should be locked up in a cage. The man's an animal. <laughs> I'll just leave that hanging in the air. Um, we beat Preston three uh, 0 away. Uh, good confidence boost for Son and a goal for debutant Dan Juba. Arsenal lost at Man City in a game that was pretty dull, if I remember rightly. It was Friday night, which might have had something to do with it. And uh, the only Premier League team that went to a, to a replay in round four was Fulham, who've got to go to Sunderland this midweek. But other, other than that, we've got Brighton in the fifth round, having beaten Liverpool in the very last minute. That was probably the match of the round, certainly in terms of what I watched. And uh, isn't Mitoma a wonderful player? Mm, yeah. still not in my fantasy team for some reason whenever I see him I make a mental note to put him in Leicester will be at home to Blackburn Rovers City will travel to Bristol City Man United have another home draw against West Ham there's a surprise George you want to comment about Man United's home draws or will that take too long no thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh, that's about it we find out whether we get um, Hollywood superstars Wrexham or um, Sheffield United also this week I'd rather talk about the fact we've equaled the record for consecutive away draws in the FA Cup. Yes. Now, George uh, George told me this stat in the pub the other night, and I, I mm. thought he'd got it wrong. I thought uh, it was it Never. wasn't believable because you said um, 13 years or so without mm-hmm. a home draw, and I said, how does that work? But then he reminded me that they only play once or twice in the Cup each year. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so there's not much of a chance. But um, I think it's 15 draws in a row. That's yeah, we've been mad. drawn away. I mean, and, and, and we're away again this round. We're either Fulham or Sunderland. So if we did manage to get far, it'd be it'd be incredible. So the next round, we should put some money on United versus Leeds at Old Trafford. Yeah. No, because we're not going to get through. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Welcome back to part two. Um, it's time for me to uh, talk a bit about uh, Tottenham Hotspur 1, Manchester City 0. Well, I did enjoy the um, stat that uh, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City has never won at our new ground uh, and has never even scored. Uh, That team has never even scored against us. Um, And that remains the case after a 1-0 win. You know that first possession stat that they put up in a game, usually after 10 minutes or so, um, had us at 16% possession, 84 to Man City. And um, I thought it was going to be... An extremely long Sunday afternoon, but then just on the quarter hour mark or so, Harry Kane scored that uh, that great, that well-taken finish. But the goal was made by Hoiberg. Hoiberg, I think, has been a fabulous and underrated uh, signing for quite a low price from Southampton. He was rejected earlier in his career by Bayern Munich. I don't mind having a Bayern Munich reject in my midfield. And he plays that pit ball role really, really well. And some people say, what does he offer going forward as a midfielder? I think that was perfectly illustrated by this goal because the team pressed really, really high. And in that gig and pressing situation, even somebody as defensively minded as Hoiberg, who's basically a midfield enforcer, can create chances just by nicking it off someone and then having the intelligence to play it onto the right person. So he's he's got the ball back a couple of times off, uh, I think, Rodri, uh, who made a couple of bad decisions. And then the ball finds itself to Kane, as it must in those situations. And everyone in the ground expects him to bury it 
on this occasion with an added frisson of us all being aware that he just needed the one goal, having set out the trip to Preston last time. So he's been sat on it for a few weeks. And that was the goal that took him past uh, the great Jimmy Greaves, who sadly died a couple of years ago. But there's a very nice photo of them before he passed away. So, yeah, um, he tweeted, he himself, I think, Harry Kane, tweeted uh, with the help of the club's social media, no doubt, um, a little thing about his favourite goals uh, of the 267. And uh, I'm sure you remember a couple of them, you two and and the listener, perhaps. He's put under his alternative top five goals, his best header was the first time I saw him score in the flesh at the old White Hart Lane in a North London derby in 2015. I remember being quite far at the opposite end of the ground for that. But he, when the ball came into him, you'd never guess this if it was a quiz question, but it was from uh, Nabil Bentaleb. The, uh, he, he hung in the air like a basketball player and it just seemed to take forever to, for him both to reach it and then for the ball to leap, uh, to loop into the goal uh, behind, I assume, uh, Chesney uh, at that time. And then he also mentions um, his most underrated goal, a, a goal against Dortmund in the Champions League at Wembley in 2017. I saw that one as well. And I agree, it's an absolutely terrific goal that shows all his qualities, uh, which is quite underrated. You don't see it very much, but he wins the ball at halfway from uh, Socrates, the big uh, Dortmund defender. as sort of a, a looping ball that comes down vertically and he muscles him off, a really strong defender, then goes on a huge sprint down the line uh, and then puts a perfect finish in as well. So gorgeous goal. Yeah, there's just some favourites. But basically, I was just going to say exactly what I've what you've already given me cause to say a few minutes ago, which is that his greatest uh, quality, in, in, in my view and in the view of many Spurs fans, I think, is his dependability. You just want him to be in and around it. You want him to get the ball. And uh, you can also tell that by any time when he's slightly off it, like all those uh, Augusts when we talked about him not being able to score in the month of August, any time when uh, he's recently come back from a a dodgy ankle or an injury or something like that, when Harry Kane's not quite on it, you can tell the difference absolutely because his own standards are so high. Um, And I think that's also something that is worth pointing out when when you consider why he's not, uh, why we don't have many songs for him or why he's not... uh, a sort of cult hero at the club. I think it's just because since he's been in the team, he has been so consistently good that we've almost acknowledged for years that he's too good for us. And there's always there's always been rumours and uh, tittle tattle, especially from people like Unic, um, that he was that he might leave and might go to United or 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 elsewhere. So then, obviously, you don't want to get too attached to someone like that if you think you're going to lose them every summer. I think that's part of it. But the other part of it is just that from the from the moment he's been in the side, he's been a, a great goal scorer, and he doesn't seem to have struggled with that form. He doesn't. It's the opposite of a a cult hero like Ledley King, I suppose, who had so much to overcome, so many problems to overcome with his injuries, and also the injuries meant that no no rival club or bigger club was ever going to buy him, so we were safe feeling attached to him. <laughs> That's my own uh, theory on that. On the game, well, we beat City again. It's the first time this season, as I said, that we've beaten a big team. Um, it's a result that really surprised me. And it's a performance that really surprised me because the first half was excellent. Yes, it was still the same tactics, but we were really going at them. We were quite adventurous in the way that we played, albeit defensively. And by that, I mean the pressing was much more 
adventurous and further forward than it was previously. It still leaves me scratching my head and wondering why can't we do that in our biggest game of the season against Arsenal, against our biggest rivals? Why were we so apparently fearful that day if we could be so combative on this day? And it might be a little bit tongue in cheek, but I do wish Antonio Conte well after his surgery, but his absence, I think, may have had something to do with that. Stellini took charge of the game and there's a wonderful photo of everyone celebrating afterwards in the dressing room. Everyone's got big smiles on their face. I know it's because ostensibly because Kane has beaten the record as well. It was the, the photo was in his honour, but I wonder whether uh, it was a little bit like the head teacher was away for the day and uh, everyone expressed themselves a little bit more and had a bit of fun. Uh, remains to be seen. I still don't think we're good enough to make a big push or to finish in the top four or to haul you in. Uh, Nick, Manchester United. But um, he proved me wrong at the back end of last season with a great run. And we do have some good fixtures coming up. So watch this space. I've got a bold prediction. I think Spurs will finish above Newcastle. I think United will finish above Arsenal. I don't think either of them will win the league. Well, that's almost like a riddle. (laughs) I think City City will win the league. I think if City can get into their stride, they are still the best team. But they don't look right, do they? And we've said that a few times now on the pod. Um, Well, I think the most damning thing for City was the graph of their average positions uh, yesterday when Haaland wasn't even the furthest forward and he was quite near the centre circle. And if you remember the amazing clips of his start before the World Cup in this country, all of those goals or almost all of them were um, running in behind uh, deep runs. That fabulous goal at West Ham, for example, or just uh, some of the goals he scored at Etihad as well, just barging people out of the way, running at goal. And now he's playing really deep. And um, besides all that, there's also the issues at at Manchester City's defence, where the best centre-backs aren't playing and Cancelo's been let go. It's all a bit odd. Um, Kevin De Bruyne dropped. Kevin De Bruyne didn't play. I I was a massive fan of uh, Cancelo on fantasy football. He was an absolute banker for lots of points bonus points as well for all the various things he did but he's gone um personally i'm pleased he's at Bayern munich i'm fond of but um yeah strange and uh, then there's the interview after the um after the the reverse fixture which is also since our last podcast when we went 2-0 up at uh, city but but by the way that was absolutely different as a performance so um we crumbled then and lost 4-2 but on this occasion at half time i said to the people i was watching with that is not the same uh, I don't think that's going to happen again. I was bold enough to say we will not crumble here. Yes, they might draw or even win, but we are not going to crumble as we did up there because it, up there I felt that we were in a in a fortunate lead of 2-0. It, but this was different. This was really, we were tactically very sound and defensively more sound. And it's also a lot to do with our everyone in our squad being fit again. Um, we're blessed with that at the moment. That's all I've got to say. Nick, I know you've got uh, lots more to say on Manchester City. Perhaps we'll leave that for a bit later on uh, on the news that's dropped today. Anyway, mm. but um, shall we hear from you a little bit about your recent run? I'd just like to say that um, since our last pod, there have been three weekends and three midweeks, so there have been six slots for matches. Two of them were League Cup semi-final slots. Two of them were FA Cup replays or FA Cup rounds. Manchester United, as far as I can tell by my reckoning, Manchester United are the only team of all Premier League sides that had a game in every single one of those slots because you had the away game at Crystal Palace which was drawn in the very last minute by that free kick 
then you had the two cup semi-finals against Nottingham Forest. You you were also still in the FA Cup fourth round, and now this midweek you've got uh, Leeds. So very very busy times at Man United. But since losing to uh, Arsenal in that incredible game at the Emirates, uh, things have gone quite well, haven't they? Yeah, I think um, I think I joke that we've been in and out of a title race since we last spoke, and um, that's probably fair. I still think there's a lot of ground to cover this season, but I think I remember this time last year on pods saying United look like the sixth or seventh best team in the country, and I think I'll say you know they look like the second or third best team in the country now, and it's nice to see United up there in the league again. Feel things are ticking over nicely, and. Whilst I'm not going to get too giddy about a title race, because I still think there are teams who can finish, who will finish above United, and I think Ericsson is a huge loss because him and Casemiro have quietly transformed a very mediocre midfield into a properly world class one. I think you know about it's about going in this summer, looking up with a new confidence, hopefully new owners, um, and fewer jobs to do in the transfer window. Um, because certainly when Ten Hag came in, we'd released quite a lot of experience on our free, whether that's Pogba and Mata. We needed probably a player in almost every position, and, and it doesn't look quite so quite like such a do-over six months into the new era. Uh, so yeah, lots of real reasons for excitement. Garnacho looks like a proper player. I think Anthony's taking a bit of time betting in, but um, but Ten Hag seems very loyal to him. I think on it's probably the only thing I would change if I were to, if I were managing the team. I'd put Gilacho in on form, and Anthony could have a rest. But uh, Rashford, I, I boldly said six weeks ago, wherever it was, that he looked like the best player in Europe on form, and he's played like that since. Um, he's on course to get twenty or twenty five goals this season, this season, which United have missed since Zlatan did his knee, uh, whenever that was under Mourinho. I think lots of reasons for optimism. We've had a decent run, but aside from Arsenal and the derby, United have had a pretty good run coming out of the World Cup. Do you want to just say a quick word about that uh, phenomenal game at the Emirates, which was on 23rd of January also since our last show? You did lose, but uh, very much in that. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, imagine winning that. I think United probably would have been a bit ahead of schedule and it would have been the hope that killed us. But I think... um, it will go down as an absolute classic. I think if Arsenal win the league, it will go down yeah. as one of the pivotal moments in the season. Yeah, it was frustrating. I think Juan Bissaka was at fault for two of the goals and, and was probably the difference, to be honest, between yeah. the two teams. But we went, again, toe-to-toe with the team on form who were the best in the country at that moment in time and draw would have been fine. Like, I think nobody would have batted an eyelid if it had ended all square. Um, Guna's very excited that day, of course. Um, yeah, and I, I commented this weekend, actually, when they were losing to Everton, that there was a strong sense hanging in the air that they felt like they'd won it that day. Yes. Um, they got through this run of, of quite tricky fixtures. Yeah. And, and, of course, Everton then were a much bigger banana skin than they would have been two weeks beforehand. I was about to say that a uh, friend of the show, Will Swannell, he lives uh, very close to the Emirates. And he told me that that's the first time he's actually heard a goal go in there since the days. Uh, the last time that he'd heard a goal go in there, uh, Alexis Sanchez scored in the Champions League. It was that long ago. So, uh, yeah, the good days are back there in terms of noise as well. It is a bit, um, it's nice to be louder this season when you watch Arsenal on the telly. Yeah. 
So now we come to a midweek uh, home match against Leeds, which is not on UK TV. Very, very strange. But basically, it was the fixture moved because of the death of the Queen in September. Is that right? Yes, it was one of them. Yeah, Palace was the other where um, we, we lost in the last minute. Or we yeah, in the last minute. Well, that's right. Yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago, that replayed game. And now you've got Leeds at home and with one of these um, exceptional quirks, you've then got a trip to Ellen Road only four days later about which obviously George is thrilled. And uh, after this short break, we'll get his views on it. Right, welcome back to part three. And uh, George, I'm afraid um, the relegate master, I called him at the beginning of the show, he's been very down in the dumps. He's you know, still clear of the drop zone. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm keep un- peddling that. <laughs> I'm under strict instructions not to be positive. Um, we've already discussed the news of the fact that there is no manager in place, but uh, the real kicker for George is that um, Manchester United is such a big fixture, um, which Leeds fans were denied for so many years. And now that they're back in the big time and can play their rivals, well, they've been on the end of a couple of hidings. But uh, now I'm sure you were looking forward to these two games uh, this season and they're squeezed into probably the worst week possible uh, mm-hmm. inside inside four days. It, it couldn't be any worse. Like it, it's, it should be really exciting. I should be really excited about this week, but it's. I just want it to be over. I want it to be the 13th of February. <laughs> We've lost both games handsomely and we can just move on with our lives. But um, yeah. George wants Valentine's Day, Nick. That's yes. the headline. That's what I'm focusing on. <laughs> the, the irony here is that... Um, after Forest won at the weekend, there was a flurry of text on my United group saying, oh, I think we're going to get a new manager when we play Leeds this week. Yeah, um, and, and what does that mean, George, for Leeds? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I, I, I look back as far as I could without getting depressed about it. And the last three times we've had a new manager mid-season, they've not won any of their first three games. So... What was your Everton stat? Last 15 matches. Yeah. Last 15 unbeaten not, with a new yeah. manager. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, we, we we have got a vaccine against new manager bounce, it would seem. It does not happen <laughs> for us at all. And it will not happen this week, despite what Nick says, trying to reverse engineer the result. It's it's not going to happen this week. Um, so looking ahead, really, to Everton away uh, the week after, which is, yeah. I don't know, what would you Deitch call it? Deitch against an unknown. <laughs> Yeah, maybe yeah. Allardyce. <laughs> Could be anyone. Have you got um, a preference or any sort of a realistic one? The new guy, the new guy shall I, I just uh, mention some odds first before George says? Because the uh, front runners are both Bielsa and Pochettino, which seem like uh, almost uh, brothers in arms in this issue. And then oh, third oh. is uh, Hasenhutl because of the Red Bull link. Yeah, Pochettino would be if I could have anyone. It would be yeah. Pochettino without without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Me too. <laughs> I, I almost feel like without his PSG stint, that could be achievable, but that's kind of put him into another echelon, his yeah. PSG stint. So that's obviously not going to happen. Bielsa's not coming back. It's not his style. Um, he just wouldn't do that. And and we don't want him to, I don't think. It's, it'd be too romantic and it wouldn't work out. He'd also, um, uh, he'd take you down to do a complete reset. <laughs> you'd do it on purpose. Yeah, yeah. That'd be his, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd love him even more for it, probably. Why did um, he fly in to say no to Everton? Because he's a gentleman. That's what people don't understand. He, he, he didn't want to do it over the You don't phone. think he's hanging around thinking, I can smell something's coming down the road in Yorkshire? <laughs> no. No, it's wishful no. thinking. No, he, he had a shop to do at Morrison's, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, go on, keep going. Who else is on that dreaded list? Oh, I didn't look further down, really. <laughs> Although I did see Rude Van Nistelrooy at 25 to 1, which made me Jesus. wince, let alone you. <laughs> Someone's written those odds and doesn't understand football. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, Michael <laughs> Carrick, also another one that should. Well, he has He's made tremendous brilliant start. things. Yeah. yeah. He has done very well, but you yeah, know the the, the last uh, the last widely publicised image of him in football, he was wearing a Manchester United blazer. So I don't think he can go to Leeds. No, that wouldn't be very well received. What, what I would say on this Marsh sacking is it, it's just three months too late. If you remember when we had that fluke win at Liverpool, and I did declare it a fluke at the time, I obviously wildly celebrated it, but it was a complete and utter fluke. Right. He should have been sacked then, before that, when we got hammered by Leicester and being at home by Fulham and yeah, other to, horrible results. To allow you the reset in the World Cup. Yeah. Exactly. But he got that state of execution and then we followed that up with a very lucky 4-3 win against Bournemouth and then that was our last victory, which, okay, take the World Cup out of the equation, it's a good, you know, two and a half months of, of, of football that we haven't won a game. So it's, it's yeah, it is long overdue. I just hope it's not too late. Um, obviously, we've got 18 games left. So there's plenty of points to play for. Well, we'll call it 16 games. I'm writing off these two games this week. We've got 16 <laughs> games left <laughs> to uh, to get some points. Let's see. But um, I do like him. I had nothing against the guy. I just think it, it wasn't a f- good fit and it just wasn't working. But there's a big problem in terms of the amount of players that have come in under his uh, sort of uh, under the Red Bull link and his links from Salzburg, mm, Leipzig, isn't there? Potentially. I mean, we've had a really good January. This is all on the back of a very good January window we've just had. And um, but I would say, I think those days of managers making the signings are gone. I wouldn't necessarily think they're his signings. So that, that gives me confidence. We have actually got a very good squad to work with. We just need the right person to come and work with them. It's been a bit of a mystery amongst Leeds fans how many wingers we have. And he doesn't play with wingers, Marsh, at all. There is no width. Penis ball, as you remember, is his, yeah. is his formation. We don't play with wingers. Famously. Um, <laughs> So hopefully someone comes in that, that does. We have a vast array of attacking talent now um, at, at our disposal. Although the real Patrick Bamford seemed to be standing up on Sunday. Um, really terrible uh, performance. <laughs> um, but they, they apparently the, the wheels are in motion for a new appointment. So it might be, I don't think they'll be in charge for the dreaded game on Wednesday, but probably for the for the home match on Sunday. So we'll see. Yeah, that would be perfect, actually. If so, if someone can sit on the stands on Wednesday and then on the touchline on Sunday, that would be just right, I think. Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere on Sunday will be raucous, no matter yeah. what situation we're in. You know, we we are Man United the most formed team in the league. They must be pretty much, apart from Brighton, maybe up against the team in the most disarray without a win for three more minutes. If it wasn't my team, I'd say it's written <laughs> that Leeds would win yeah. it, but obviously yeah. it is. I obviously don't think they will, but um, we will see. And I'm not allowed to be positive about you going deep in both cups because that's merely a distraction. Is that right? We'd be wrong because we didn't go deep in the League Cup at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, FA Cup, fifth round for the first time in eight years. So uh, yeah, a win at Accrington is the only thing I've had to celebrate recently. Yeah. <laughs> and a replay against Cardiff. Yay. With, uh, that was a handsome win, wasn't it? Yeah, lovely. Yeah, 5-2. Yeah, I'll take it. Brilliant. Okay. Now, shall we? Um, you, George has mentioned a good transfer window for Leeds. Um, mm. Shall we talk transfers a little bit since that also happened since our last show? The window slammed shut, as one is obliged to say. A crazy window, obviously, led mostly by Chelsea and Todd Bowley. Uh, my own experience is just uh, we knew the player we wanted all along. I don't pay much attention to these things at all anyway. I'm not sitting there every day checking, but uh, I did know 
the whole month and we wanted a decent right back from sporting and uh, it was announced at nine minutes to 11. So um, classic Levy after he botched yeah. uh, the loans and exits of all the other right backs. And it looked like we weren't going to have any for a bit. And then just to cap off that mad week yesterday against Manchester City, Emerson, the right back who wasn't good enough and who we needed to replace, was man of the match and played an absolutely <laughs> heroic performance. So, yeah, that's uh, that's capped off a strange window for Spurs. United weren't were never really going to do very much, were they? But then Ericsson got injured and you got Savitzer in at the last minute. We've got Root Veghorst. I have waited Boat all Veghorst my life. Veghorst earlier, of course, yeah. Big friendly mm. lump up front. And uh, now we have one and he looks like a big lump. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah. you got buyer's remorse already. <laughs> absolutely not. It's about time we had a big physical unit up there. But I, um, I think United bought like a business that is about to change hands. Right. Okay. Uh, George, I know you have your eyes on transfers a lot. Uh, which mm. ones do you want to mention? Not necessarily your own club. Oh, you put me on the spot now. I think it's more the clubs that didn't do anything. Like right. Liverpool, were quite quiet, weren't they? Mm. Uh, considering the position they're in, if you well, they're having a similar season to Chelsea, I know they... five million pounds on a new striker. Yeah, Gakpo oh, early, a bit of a dud mm. so far. <laughs> Not yeah. going well at all. It's it's hard to look past Chelsea just because of the yeah the, the the way they've gone about in this American model of. Nick will probably remember the name. I can't remember the name of spreading the cost over the length of the contract, but oh, yeah, it's risky. Yeah long-term business it's a bit i mean it's, it remains to be seen if it's a successful model but it's a totally new way of approaching transfers and a loophole that's being closed in the summer now i think exactly um, yeah they're taking advantage of it now yeah. limiting it to five years i think because i think enzo fernandez got an eight-year contract so they're spreading the cost of his transfer over eight years but it's sort of relying on him being a successful signing over eight years which is right very risky they've just signed everyone haven't they anyone that arsenal were linked to and players that weren't seemingly even available they just kept offering more and more money um, yeah. What I don't understand it. is that if they're spending their five-year budget all in one window, it just means that when the next window comes around, right, they're out exactly. of money, right? Yeah, so exactly. Are they like basically building a squad and then that's it? They're mm. done. Like make make do for five years or sell. And the other so, problem they've got is I think they made five major signings in January. Like the law of averages say two of them will be failures and won't work out very well. Who's going to be able to buy them? You just you know, put 50, 60 million pound price tags on them. You're not going to be able to flog them very easily. They'll just end up doing what they did with the car queue and pay their wages yeah. to play for someone else. It's a weird, weird approach. And from the evidence of Friday night, it's not making instant rewards. They were very abject against Fulham. I don't know if either of you watched that game, but yeah. No, but uh, congratulations to Fulham for winning the uh, reverse fixture and going there and not mm. losing as well. Fulham still doing very well. Must be a long time since they took four points off them. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. In a season, yeah. So the yeah. other consideration that I saw um, either being talked about or, or written about this weekend is that Chelsea aren't going to make the Champions League, which means this is a hellish situation for them from a, f- mm. a financial fair play perspective because they've spent the money that they're expecting to make from being in the Champions League year on year. And so are they going to turn one of these straight round oh. and park, send them out next summer? Or is, that, is that known as the Leeds approach? Because that's exactly <laughs> what we yeah. did. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, Nick, uh, alternatively, did Todd and his uh, little men uh, sit around the table and say, what do we need to do to actually get in the Champions League in the next uh, 18 games? How can it be done? Tell me which players are by them. Is it yeah. that maybe? Because well, that or the slightly more sinister um, looming spectre of the Super League, because all these yeah. American owners are just not accepting, not yes. knowing their revenues year on year. Yeah. And um, 
you know, as I've, we've spoken about before, the big clubs are now all in oil state or American hands. Yes. Um, and the Americans don't understand the model. And I think Todd Bowley came across as very naive running around Europe last summer trying to do player trades like it's Major League Baseball, um, <laughs> which no one went for, and has now, yeah, spent six years but a budget. 25% of what Abramovich spent in his entire duration as owner has gone in two windows. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and wonderful also that the two of the super clubs with uh, American owners, Liverpool, Chelsea, sit behind uh, in the table behind Fulham, Brentford and Brighton now. That's just magical, isn't it? it? It just makes me nervous because I think it would just expedite the move to a Super League model, whatever that looks like when it comes back. Yeah. And I don't think it's anything anybody wants. No. Just last word on that. Now I've thought, had the time to think about it. I think one of the biggest winners out of all this Chelsea spending was Arsenal because I think Jorginho is a fantastic acquisition for, I think it was 10 right. million. Jorginho you know, and, very... and of course Trossard, yeah. Yeah, I think they're solid acquisitions. I think Jorginho is a backup for Partey because he does have injuries now time and again. He could be a really key signing to bring them over the line if they're going to win the league. Um, and Arsenal haven't done this for a long time, have they? They haven't acted no. like a, a big team trying to trying to put their foot down with some signings, uh, at least from from my perspective, certainly in the mid middle of the season. So they're, they're, they're trying to bring it over the line, that's for sure. Mm. It was very strange in the pub uh, yesterday. I was in a predominantly Arsenal pub in North London watching Tottenham City and everyone was cheering for the same thing. It was quite strange. But uh, I did I did tell a few people that w- while some Tottenham fans, especially on social media, which we all know is the pits, were saying that they wanted their team to lose, I could never do that. But I, I, um, I probably would caveat never. I said uh, perhaps in the last week of the season, when you know that your team can't achieve any more and you can directly stop your rivals from winning a trophy, then you could actually say, I want my team to lose. But I think that's the only situation. I think a sort of final day or final week of the season scenario. I just want um, my team to win. Yeah. Yes. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. At any cost. <laughs> well, that's rare enough for you, George, I suppose. That's what I meant. Yep. Take what you can get. Okay, so shall we open the big can of worms that dropped on the news agenda today, which is uh, Manchester City's uh, finances and rule breaking? Um, I don't really know where to, what to make of it, to make head or tail of it, but I know that uh, I know someone who's very keenly interested. That's you, Nick. I just love a scandal. And uh, <laughs> City Chopoli is going to catch on, I'm sure of it. City the, Chopoli. Uh, I, mean, I have to say, I will be careful here because I have no lawyers on hand, but um, <laughs> I, mainly I'm interested in the narrative as i always am on what it means for various people who've stuck their neck out on you know reputationally over the last decade really because some of the charges are well first of all it's rich that this was the week where pep and Klopp were piping up about chelsea spend yeah um literally two days ago um and some of the charges you know mancini being paid around the back by the state rather than the club right very smelly and there's a you know <laughs> a, re- a reputation on the line there pep has said all along that he trusts the club completely and that he wouldn't have risked his legacy if he didn't trust them and the day yeah. that they let his trust down on this he would walk away so yeah. big test for him now because it's not one or two isolated incidents but perhaps that's why he's been tossing the odd wobbly recently <laughs> yeah well, there are hundreds and hundreds of charges. And mainly, I'm just really interested at the clout um, that the Premier League feel they have here because yeah. 
City have already yeah. lawyered up and battered this off from UEFA in the course yeah. of arbitration for sport. Um, and I understand that legal or the protocol of the Premier League is you can't do that. So they won't have that option for appeal. The, the, the dates, yeah. Yeah, that, that doesn't apply in Premier League at all. So yeah. that couldn't be a grounds for it. It does, it does show what, a lot of balls. Once you're out, you're out, you mean? No, it's in the date of the offence. It doesn't matter oh, yeah. how much time has elapsed in, in oh, Premier yeah, League yeah. rules. Yeah. So they can be done for it no matter what. Um, I agree with Nick. I think it's good to see the Premier League flexing some muscle. And I'd like to think they're only doing this if they've got a solid case. But Man City's response today suggests, I don't know, they they almost laughed it off in their yeah. official statement. It was quite um, tongue-in-cheek, wasn't it? Well, I know this is all going to descend into whataboutery because that's what it's like with football and especially football fans. But I am tempted to ask when I see these charges and talk about City, uh, I am tempted to ask what about Chelsea? Because they're still there after that ignominy of the war and Abramovich's exit and everything and almost died an ignominious death last spring. But they're still there and now spending more money than ever. So it's definitely fishy. And I'm certain that's going to come home to roost for them at some point. But I mean, I have to say, without turning this into an opinion piece, I have mixed feelings because the Premier League put their stall out in the 90s. Everything was for sale to the highest bidder and have welcomed investment. And it's the reason that it's the most watched league in the world. They've taken money from anywhere. And the fit and proper test was always, you know, smoke and mirrors. And actually, as a fan, all you want is your club wealthy enough to compete at yeah. the top of the league and to win things as we see at Newcastle yeah and uh, you know speaking as a United fan who, whilst I'm not going to plead poverty because I know George will come down on me like a ton of bricks United have cost or have had as much taken out of them as City have put into the, the, the own, City owners have put into that club um, over the same period of time and I know which model should be preferable to the supporter but the charges against City around sort of obstruction of the investigation, the arrogance, even that statement that George referenced, the arrogance with which they have batted off first UEFA and, and now the sort of way that they have responded to this, it, it, it's not a good look for a football club or an organisation. And I think in particularly in Britain, actually, I think people don't have that sort of same referential approach to incredible wealth. Yeah, yeah. Much more questioning, yeah. Yeah. I did have a question for you, Nick, on this, actually, because I know there's been talk of all sorts of penalties and let's all hope it's not financial because that would just mean nothing to yeah, owners. But um, if you had to choose, if it came down to points, deductions and strippings of titles, yeah. I think you, you would gain two more titles, I think. Yeah, I saw, and there's Brendan Rodgers' trend. But yeah, Gerard yeah. would win. Top. Would you be happy with that or not? Uh, well, I mean, I've got mixed feelings <laughs> about stripping historical titles anyway, because that horse is sort of bolted. You just void them, don't you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think <laughs> everything City have done has come with an asterisk, I think. And, we'll, you know, they took them off Juve. I'm not sure there was a parade in the streets for the inter extra no, titles. I think... I think they, I suspect there might be in Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe. Brendan Rodgers would certainly be uh, wanting to uh, an open bus. Gerard football kit on. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't love retrospective punishment because it's sort of, no. it's been and gone. I think what could happen is, you know, points deductions in the here and now or starting yeah. next season on a massive points deduction, which sticks them straight in a relegation fight. I don't know. And I think it would be an interesting storyline. I think, you know, we talked a bit about what's going on at City at the moment. Kevin De Bruyne not being happy. Haaland apparently already not very happy. Pep potentially walking away because his legacy has been tainted. There's well, what, what, happened, what happened at uh, Juventus, of course, back then, um, 
with Moggiopoli, Calciopoli, was the equivalent of City now being relegated to League One. Yeah. And uh, their goalkeeper and a couple of other players staying with them. <laughs> and the interesting thing would be the owners. Like, there's yeah. a couple of very high-profile football clubs for sale at the moment in this country. Liverpool and United are both on the market. And I'm not saying that they'll drop City, but it would be a significant black mark against everything that project is trying to do, not just in Manchester, but the City group around the world. Yes. Would be, it, it would be reputationally hugely damaging. Yeah. Yeah, just finally on the City news today, it's just incredible timing, isn't it? Because I think tomorrow they're going to announce about an independent regulator for football. So to get this out there yeah. the day before is, is just incredible um, and quite quite funny, I think. So to clarify, that's a government white paper tomorrow, yeah? Tomorrow, yeah. It's meant to be tomorrow, yeah. So the, the timing must be, can't be a coincidence. Yeah, and Pep being rattled in recent weeks, probably not either, right? Mm. And it's a it's a four year investigation. So mm, yeah, they've, yeah. They, I think George is right. They've clearly been working for the sixth of Feb as a deadline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, we've had so much to cover this week um, because we've been away, but we can. Um, I think we can say that we'll do our best to do uh, regular shows over the next weeks. Uh, no one is off on any jollies. I and might also, find a reason to miss the next one. Um, <laughs> yes, I'll find. Um, I'll find you, George. I'll find you. <laughs> I'll bring a mic to you. We'll, dra- we'll drag George onto the show and, uh, you know, Spurs have got um, a romantic trip to Milan around Valentine's Day or on Valentine's Day indeed. Uh, United go to Barcelona in the Europa League, which is um, fascinating as well. Yeah. Um, Chelsea go to Dortmund. Uh, so, yeah, European football's back. Uh, the FA Cup fifth round's back at the end of the month. Uh, the League Cup final, Newcastle, Manchester United. Um, that'll be a tasty one, I think, especially with the um, the amount of years and decades that Newcastle have since their last trophy. Uh, it'll be quite a day at Wembley. Yeah, so looking forward to speaking again in a week's time after the next Premier League fixtures and perhaps during the uh, Merseyside derby, which will be incredibly interesting with Sean Dyche in the Everton dugout and an embattled Klopp in the Oh, yeah. Liverpool dugout, but um, a good one. Yes, and we are away at Leicester, and uh, we all know where your two teams are next Sunday, Elland Road, in the second of a four-day doubleheader. Poor George, we'll leave mm-hmm. it on that. Bring it on. Uh, thank you very much, and goodbye, Nick. Goodbye, thank you. And Godspeed, George. Enjoy the points, Nick. I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> good evening. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.